Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. Glad you're here. Welcome to the Porch Community Church. We are in our third week of existence, and it's good to be here with you guys. Are you glad to be here this morning? Yay. Well, wow. At least you're honest. At least you're honest. Well, hopefully by the end of the time together this morning, you will, you'll change your mind about this, and you'll be glad that you were here today. But to tell you, uh, kind of expand a little bit on what Tinley mentioned in the announcement videos about our upcoming Disciple Now weekend. We, we'll say D-Now, Disciple Now, it's interchangeable. Um, who is aware of what Disciple Now is? Okay, a good number of you, but some of you don't. And let me tell you, it is an amazing weekend. Um, it's, we've been doing this for years and years. It's our first year as the Porch Community Church, but it is for 6th through 12th grade students, and it is an amazing weekend together our students come they're in host homes for the weekend so that's always a really good time they have group leaders they we have an amazing speaker we have kelly barkle coming to speak again this year and share about how jesus is life and uh and it's just gonna be it's always a great time there's food it's really good food um even better food this year because our, our friend randy de Coudre is helping to provide the food so y deliciousness um oh yes 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 yes, yes. there's a plug for sunday lunch so um but uh it's just a great time the band is here it's just students is it amazing is it good is it worth coming Okay, so here's the deal. So this past, the last couple of weeks, really, there's been a lot of planning going on. So they're working on getting the group leaders. They've been, you may have been asked to be a host home. We've been lining that up. We need people to help with transportation. But there are tons of other areas where help is needed. And, you know, we have talked about how we don't, this is not just a student weekend. Disciple Now is not just a, well, I hope that the youth have a good time. It is a church-wide opportunity for us to be the hands and feet of Jesus because I'm telling you, and I know it's true because I'm looking out right now at you. We've had students that came to a Disciple Now weekend and, because someone invited them. And they grew in their relationship with Jesus. And so they started coming back to church. And then their parents were like, well, we better go check out this church because where, where's my kid going? Oh, good parents do that. Parents started coming and going, hey, I, this is where we want to be. We're growing in our faith too. We have families that are here today because of a Disciple Now weekend and the impact that it has on much more than just a student. So it's a huge, huge opportunity. And we need your help. Um, so like we're going to need help for... Uh, people to help clean up like we're going to have worship in here on Friday night and Saturday night and it's 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 rocking isn't it students I mean it's really it's bumping in here we're going to need help cleaning up whenever we're done like we're, we're going to need help like setting this thing back up for worship on that Sunday Sunday August 11th um, we're having three services that day we're going to have an 8 30 service a 9 30 service and an 11 so the 9 30 and 11 are the usual times that we're going to have an 8:30 service as well just so we can have enough room for all the students last year we had about 350 students we're planning on about the same possibly more 
So we need three services just to accommodate for the students and the parents and all of us that just come and want to be in worship. So it's going to be a tremendous, tremendous weekend. So we need help cleaning up. We need help getting the bathrooms ready. We need help serving the food that is going to be provided, just you know, handing out plates and making sure everything's good and going like that. We're going to use, we don't have a place here to, to sit and eat, so we're going to use the backyard, which is our kids' building behind us, and we're going to let kids come through there and get their plates. And then raise your hand if you have a tailgate tent, like a pop-up tent. Would you raise your hand? Some of you are going, oh, I don't know if I should raise my hand. I might. It's okay. I promise you we're not going to harass. Who has a tent? Paul, you better put your hand up. Okay, my father-in-law is making sure. Listen, we need your tents because we need a place for the kids to eat. So we're going to put all, it's going to look like a giant tailgate, like pregame party out there. We're going to put all the tents together. And there's probably going to be a lot of G's on those tents. Am I guessing? Probably. Yeah. Anna. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. Now people are barking in church. I've heard about that church. They bark. I don't know. But we're going to put all the tents out there, and then our students are going to get their plate and then go sit out there in the shade and eat their food and have, like, picnic time. It's going to be awesome. Students are like, oh, great. Sweat. It's going to be fun. I promise. But so we need your help. Like you can, so I'm, what I'm saying, I'm telling you all this is, it's going to be like an hour, hour and a half, two hours tops of you to be able to help over the weekend. All right, you can come and drop off your tent on Friday afternoon. We will put it up for you. We will have it there, and you can pick it up on Sunday morning or pick it up Saturday night. We, we need your help to help serve food, to just be present, to be here. And it's, it's going to be really important um, because, as I said, Students' lives are affected by this weekend. And they grow closer to Christ. And I know this. I've been on this side of it. I know so many leaders and host homes who say, my spiritual journey was strengthened because of the time in Disciple Now. So it's a really big weekend. And we need everyone to do their part. So yeah, maybe you can't open up your home or you don't have the whole weekend to be a, a host home leader or a group leader or whatever. But you can give an hour. You can give two hours to come and help over the weekend. So take a screenshot of this, all right? And go and... and I saw someone already doing that, Jeff. You were doing that. So take a screenshot of this and go and look later. You're not going to be automatically signed up just for going to the site, okay? You can go through it and see what can I do. It shows the day. It shows the time. It shows what we need and how many people we need. And if you would do that, it would be huge. So here, I'm going to... Um, but if you would do that, and we really need you to sign up, okay? We really, really need your help. It's important. It's, it's really big. Um, all right, there's one more thing I want to tell you about. And we celebrated this last Sunday in 11 o'clock service. We had a baptism, Susanna Broom. It was a great time. Uh, we celebrated that wonderful time. Well, we had another baptism this morning at 9.30, and we baptized... We don't need a close-up of that, but there's Kylie. That is Kylie Jade Gerritsen, and we had a wonderful time of baptism and celebrating that this morning. And we sure wanted you guys to celebrate um, with them as well. So uh, we'd love that. Two weeks, two baptisms. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So now I want to um, move into our time of worship here. Um, in this series, what we've been talking about is... Um, his church will too, 
right? So there's the what would Jesus do bracelets. They came around. It's a great way. Whoever thought of that, I think it was really, it was really kind of pivotal, I think, because it made people stop and question, what would Jesus do? What would he do? How, how would Jesus respond to this circumstance? How would Jesus respond to this situation? What would Jesus do? It was meant to make Christians, believers, go, okay, I know what I would do, but what would Jesus do, right? And so then someone came along. I don't know who. I don't know when. But then the HWLF bracelets came along, and it, it was an answer to the what would Jesus do, and it was he would love first. He would love first, because listen, let's be honest, as Christians, we're often known for what we hate instead of what we love. We often are known for what we're against instead of who we are for. And so I think it was really amazing that the answer to what would Jesus do is he would love first. And so then the challenge and what we've been looking at in this series as a new church in our community is his church will too, H-C-W-T. What would Jesus do? He would love first. His church will too. And so we've been looking at what does it mean? How, what does that look like for a church to do what Jesus would do? What does it look like for a church to love the way Jesus loved? And so um, I want to give a quick recap, real short, of where we've been. Because we're looking at different aspects that we find in Scripture of what it was that Jesus did. So in week one, we talked about how Jesus came to make things new, and we talked about new wine and the old wineskin. It was a very, I, that was a message that was really powerful to a lot of you. I heard from many, many people about that. I encourage you to go online, um, go to our YouTube channel or Facebook or website, and, and watch it later if you've missed it. Share it with someone who might need to, to hear it. But how Jesus came to make things new. And that that's kind of where we were as a church. Last week we talked about two different areas that we find aspects of Jesus' ministry. And one was that Jesus told stories relevant to his audience. And so we were like, okay. And we, and we said, that's what we want to do too. We don't want to talk about things that don't make sense or that don't connect with people. We want to do the same thing that Jesus did and tell stories that help people find a deeper spiritual truth. And then we spent a little more time last week on this and it's that Jesus brings life Jesus brings life so his church will too and we we had that you know with the uh, the example of the baptism of Susanna or Kylie and and what we find in, in the immersion baptism is that that rising to new life that cleansing that that being no longer the old person but the new person and we celebrate that in the sacrament of baptism and we talked about I remember this it was one of those things that kind of, I said it, and as soon as I said it, I was like, oh my goodness, that had to be the Holy Spirit, because that was good. <laughs> and it was that Jesus doesn't give up on people, and neither will we. As a church, that he came to bring life, so that means that we're not going to condemn somebody to death. We're not going to assume that someone's too far gone, right? We're not going to do that. And, and one of the reasons we know that, that we say we're not going to do that is because just look in the mirror, there's times when you have felt you were too far gone. There's times when someone might have wanted to declare you to be too far out of God's reach to be touched by him, and yet you're walking on faith journey today. So we don't want to condemn people to that. We don't want to do that. And so when we talk about Jesus coming to bring life, it brings us to this fourth aspect of Jesus' ministry that he did, and I want us as a church to do as well. And it's this. Jesus loved sinners. 
Jesus loved sinners, and his church will too. Jesus loved lost people. And see, in the reality of this, folks, if, if there was like, uh, you know, if you were to say, well, okay, write your notes, Jesus loves sinners. Some of you, are, maybe you're like me, pictures help. Sometimes pictures are helpful, right? Well, if there was a book that said Jesus loves sinners, oh, I think there is one, it's called the Bible. And then someone put a whole bunch of pictures in there, guess what? It would have all of our faces in there. Jesus loves sinners, for example, and then it'd be us. It'd be like a giant yearbook, okay? It'd just be all of us, every single one of us. Not a one of us would be left out of this book. Jesus loved people who are far from him, who are separated from him, who are lost. And every single one of us must come to a place of understanding that we need Christ in order to truly have life. That Jesus is the one who came to make that connection, that reconnection back with God. So today I want us to look in Luke chapter 15. Uh, Luke chapter 15, and what we find is Jesus doing what he did, which was he told stories. Now, what was going on is that uh, uh, there were some religious leaders that um, were very good at being devout. They were very good about putting on a public show of being religious leaders. Like, if they walked by you on the street, you knew they were a religious leader based on how they dressed how they walked, um, it, you know, if you saw them eating or doing anything, everything they did was they were following the rules that had been set up. A lot of them they'd, they'd made up on their own or they added to. And so these religious leaders were, they were really, they were ticked off at Jesus. Imagine that. And the reason for it is because Jesus, he, he, was, he wasn't doing what the other devout people did like here's what I've done before I'm, I'm guilty of this I will see someone who clearly because of maybe what's even going on in that moment is is lost you know they're they're they're, they're just in a place of lostness and what I might do is publicly you know I might keep a little arm's distance but I might be you know say some polite words to them God bless you I'll be praying for you you know, here's five dollars, you know, whatever that is, you know, a nice arm's length dif distance, right? That's what a lot of us do. Well, the deal is that Jesus wasn't doing that. Jesus was actually engaging with these people. He was talking with these people. He was touching these people. And not only that, but then he was actually going and sitting down and sharing a meal with them, which a very religious, devout person does not do. They don't associate with people who appear to be far from God they don't do it and so they were mad they were like oh Jesus you claim to be you know this this amazing you know the son of God you claim to be you know this one who comes to bring life you're saying these things but you're acting the way you're acting is not the way that we know you should be acting and and Jesus tells stories he's kind of like okay you're upset about this well let me tell you a couple of stories and the first one he tells in Luke 15 begins in verse 4. And so this is his answer to the religious leaders. And he says, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. 
He says this in verse 7. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven. So he's just told him a story, and now he's making the point. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now, can you imagine being the devout religious leaders and you hear this story? You're like, and... (laughs) Like, does it make sense? Does it register? Now, here's the deal that I think about when I read this story. If you're one of the 99 sheep, like you're one of the devout, you're one of the ones that you're doing your best and you're trying real hard and you give no appearance of doing wrong and everything's just right. If you're one of the 99 who didn't get lost, who stayed right where you were told to stay, you're probably thinking this is a bit excessive for the shepherd to go and find the one, right? Like, for, for the shepherd to go, for, to leave you and your 98 friends and to go after one knucklehead. Isn't that a bit excessive? Is that fair? Is that right? And I get that. But if you're the one that's lost... If you are the one who has wandered, if you are the one who has roamed away, maybe you didn't even mean to, you just saw something kind of bright and shiny and you went that way, and the next thing you know, you're lost. If you're that one, and then you see the one, the capital O, one, who you disobeyed, who you, who you walked away from, and you see the one coming for you, aren't you thankful for that extravagant love aren't you thankful for that but see what Jesus wasn't done he he was like okay I told you one story let me tell you another one and so he he's not done making his his point to the religious complainers that are that are bothering him and so he says this beginning in verse 8 so he's like okay I told you a sheep story maybe sheep it and where your mind is let's talk about money Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins, 10 silver coins, and loses one. Imagine if you lost a tenth of your income, like a paycheck came in. Uh, who, would, who would look for that paycheck if you lost it? Anyone? You get 10 paychecks a year, and you lose the tenth one. Anyone go looking for that? I do. I do. So this is what Jesus is saying. Suppose a woman has 10... You guys are lying for not raising your hand. Um, I'd point that out. Uh, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she, this is what I would do, light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? Right? This is the, the new version of this would say, don't you go in your car and tear that thing upside down trying to find it? This is what we do. Yeah, so, or you call the bank, excuse me, where's the check? Where did it go? Verse 9, and when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. I get to eat this month. I found my paycheck. Verse 10, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner repents. So we find Jesus telling stories. Jesus, you're not doing the way we did it. Jesus, we interpreted your scripture to mean this, and and we've been trying, and we've we've been trying so hard, we even added on some rules, and we've been trying to do this. And Jesus, now you're not doing the rules that we wrote. 
You're not, you're not doing it the way we thought it was supposed to be done. You are not the Messiah that we were expecting. You are hanging out with people who uh, we don't even understand why you're spending time with them. Jesus says, well, let me tell you about some sheep. Let me tell you about a lost sheep. Let me tell you about some lost money. Maybe that will make more sense. And then he tells the third story. And this is probably the most well-known of the stories. But what's he doing? He's telling a story to make a deeper spiritual point. And Jesus starts to tell the story of a young guy who takes his think, all right, that's good. Here's the deal, though. His dad was still alive. What an insult. Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just proceed as if you are already gone. Give me my inheritance. So he takes his inheritance, and then he goes, and he blows it, and he's partying, and he's just wasting it away. And then he has the moment where he realizes, my goodness, my life is a mess. It's in shambles. I can't, how did I get here? We've asked that question before, haven't we? And then he realizes, you know what? Even the guys that work for my dad, the servants, live better than I am currently living I don't deserve to be my father's son anymore. I'm not even going to go there, but I'm going to show up, and I'm going to ask him if I can just work for him. And so he goes. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 20 of Luke 15. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. His father was looking for him, folks. His father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father, in verse 22, says, said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. Here it is, folks, verse 24 of Luke 15. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. But now he is found. And I really like the last part. <laughs> so the party began. Is this excessive? I'll say it again. I want us to really to grab a hold of this. If you're one of the 99 who didn't get lost, if you are the person who didn't lose any coins at all and you were very responsible, and if you were the brother who stayed home and didn't waste dad's money and you didn't break his heart and you did everything he asked you to do, you're thinking this is a bit excessive. You're thinking that someone was wildly irresponsible. It's their fault. They shouldn't have done that. They should know better. You're thinking possibly that it's not fair. You were good and they were bad. But if you were the one who was lost, if you were the one who has wandered, if you were the one who has roamed away, and then you see the capital O one the one you walked away from coming for you, that's not excessive. That's not excessive. That is overwhelmingly wonderful, isn't it? Isn't that just extravagantly gracious for the one that you walked away from to come for you? I mean, the moment you turned around, there he was, not too far gone. 
I mean, it's almost incomprehensible that the one you left has now come after you. But I want you to please hear this, folks. Jesus tells these kinds of stories, these stories in Luke 15. He tells these stories not to just tell a good story. Jesus tells a story because this is what Jesus does. He loves sinners. All of us. He loves the one that is lost. He comes after the one, the one that others may think are aren't worth looking for he comes after the one who most people would say they're not worth running after Jesus loved sinners he loved sinners more than he did appearances he loved people regardless of their perceived worth Jesus loved people who never knew him before like they didn't even know there was the one and he loved them before they even understood that. And as his church, I want us to do this too. I want us to have this mindset. I want us to have this understanding that we will love people, that we will love lost people, we will love found people, we will love repentant people, we will love unrepentant people, we will love stubborn people of whom I am one. We will love people. So, here's the real question. <laughs> how does a church do this exactly? Like, how do, you, how, does, how do I stand up here and say, now we're going to do what Jesus did, and amen. Like, how do we do this? This was the answer I came up with. And we'll go with it until maybe something better comes along. How does a church love like Jesus loves We will do this by sending out loved people. That's you. We will, we will do this by sending out loved people to go and love people. See, if you didn't know it today, I want you to hear this. You are immensely loved by the God of the universe who sent Jesus Christ for you, for your sins, for that lostness, for all that roaming and wandering and all those things. And even if you, when you didn't know, he, he came for you so that you might have life, new life. And it'd be purposeful and full of meaning for his kingdom, for his glory. So you are immensely loved today. And how does the church love the way Jesus did? By saying to you that you are loved. And then when we do depart from this place, you go out and you love. And maybe you, you take away the stiff arm that you had towards the one. Maybe you, maybe you reach back out to the one that wandered maybe you make that call maybe you maybe you seek forgiveness on your on your end of it because you know it was partly your fault we send out the loved to love jesus loved sinners and his church will too. And this is what I want us to do. People, you are loved by an almighty God who sent Jesus for you so that you might have life 
So these are the things that we find Jesus doing, saying, living out as an example. He loved sinners. He, he came to bring us life. He told stories relevant to his audience, and he makes things new. And as his church, we will too. As the people of God, we will too. So I hope that you will come back and join us next week as we continue this conversation. And we're going to see next week what it is that we find Jesus doing and how we as a church are going to do this. It's going to be a special Sunday. I mean, I think they're all special, but it'll be the first Sunday of the month, and we will celebrate the Sacrament of Communion on the first Sunday of every month. So that'll, it'll be our first time of sharing communion together. Um, and so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And not only that, but it's, it's the August 4th. And that means school is coming. A collective sigh from all the educators and students in the room. Well, we want to have a special time of prayer and blessing for all of our educators uh, next Sunday on the 4th. So please be here. We just want to pray for you. We want to pray over you. We want to, we want to share some good news with you as you get ready to take on the school year. Um, and so it, it, it's going to be a good time. You might know some, some teachers, some educators who um, are, maybe they, they've mentioned before they want to find a church, they want to connect, but they haven't really. Bring them next week. It's a great opportunity for you to invite them and say, hey, we're having a teacher blessing. Come with us. And, um, and help, help, we want to help you have an impact on that person's life because we want to send out loved people to go and love people. All right? Um, I want to, before we, the band can go ahead and start making their way up here, this will be the last uh, time we do this. You know, we had our constituting service on June 30th. Uh, officially were constituted as a congregation. Our bishop was here. Our district superintendent was here. It was a wonderful time of celebration. And we know a lot of you guys couldn't be here. And so what we've done over this whole month of July is we've said, hey, if you want to be what we're calling a charter partner in ministry, you say, hey, I want, I want to be considered and known as someone who was here from the beginning, and I want to do my part uh, for, for our community. Uh, we're making that available. Today's the last day we're going to do that. And so I'd ask for any of you who want to be a charter partner in ministry, if you would make your way up here, um, and, and we're going to welcome you in this morning. Now, what we mean by charter partner is um, we don't use the words joining or members here. It pretty much means the same thing, but we want to kind of help us have a different understanding of it. So we partner in ministry. And um, so are there any that want to do that? We had about, I don't know, 15 or so at the early service. Has everyone had their opportunity to do Oh, all right, wonderful. It always takes those first brave ones, the first brave souls to come forward. Hi, come on up here. Welcome, welcome. Good to see you all. Got more coming. Fantastic. Fantastic. If y'all wouldn't mind, maybe scooting down one to that way. Yeah. Once y'all look out at the congregation here, look at these good-looking folks who come to charter, partner, and ministry with us today. You guys celebrate that with them? Now, I have two questions for you, um, and 
the first one is the most important one. I mean, this is really what this whole thing is about. And it's this, are you followers of Jesus Christ? If so, say, yes, I am. Okay, so with that, and now, so you're saying, yes, we're followers of Jesus, and you're partnering in ministry here, so will you show up? Will you be here? When we ask people to sign up and help and to help in our kids' building or to help with Disciple Now, when we say we need people with talents and experience and you happen to have those, will you support the church in that way? Yeah, will you pray for the church? Um, will you pray for me? That'd be awesome. I would love that. Thank you. I received that. Um, but we are in this together. That's what we're saying. We're partnering in ministry. We're in this together. And I'm so excited. So welcome into the Porch Community Church. Folks, would you welcome these folks again? Now, I have what, what I'd love for you to do, and, and, and Lindsay, you can lead the way, is we have a charter book that we're letting the charter members, charter partners um, sign. So Lindsay, if you'll lead the way through the exit door into the lobby, and you guys will be able to sign that, and then you can come back in through the back and and um, continue in worship with us. But we're super excited. Y'all celebrate again, all those that are partnering with us. It's been fantastic. Now listen, maybe you're saying, I'm not really sure yet, or I don't know, or oh my goodness, I knew some people that wanted to do that. It's not like you're not going to be able to partner in ministry again. We're going to make this available probably once a month, every couple of months. And so um, we will continue to do that, and we will celebrate that, and, and we want people to, to make that choice. Before we go to a time of worship, we want to take this moment to, to pray and thank God for the way in which, by His Holy Spirit, He spoke to us today. Um, through the celebration of, of Kylie and her baptism this morning. Um, and also to remember that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. So would you go to the Lord in prayer with me? Father, thank you. Thank you that you come after us. Thank you that you did not leave us. You didn't write us off. There's not a person in this room today that you have written off. Not a one pray that we understand that today we 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 accept that today that we call on the name of your son Jesus Christ God that we are reminded today that that we are part of something larger than ourselves and God it may seem like we are you know just making a plea to have people sign up for an event but this is bigger than that this is you allowing us to participate in your work so God, we thank you for the opportunity for this morning. We, we, we look ahead and say thank you for what you're going to do in our Disciple Now weekend. When what do we share with the students? That Jesus is life. God, we thank you for that. Lord, and, and as we now return our gifts and our offerings to you, we say thank you. We say thank you. You have gifted us and, and, and provided for us in, in, in so many ways. And we get to return that to you and partner in ministry with you. So we say thank you. Lord, would you bless what is, what is given? Lord, would you, the, for the connection cards, for the prayers of, of people in this room today that want to know you more, the desire to, to walk on this journey of faith with you. We say thank you. God, would you receive what is given now? Would you receive our worship now? All these things. We, we do it in response to you and your goodness. And we celebrate it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.